So I promise that was a really awesome video and it was really funny. And so can you all just like laugh real quick? Ready, set, go. Awesome. Hey, well, good morning. Um, if you can't tell by my voice, uh, I'm feeling a little under the weather today, uh, which Joey was sick last week, and so I'm going to blame it all on him that I can't talk right now, so that's cool. Uh, but hey, this morning, we are wrapping up this series that we've been in for the past few weeks called The Power of the Invitation. And let me start by asking you this question. Have you ever had an invitation radically change your life? Has there ever been one invitation that changed your life forever? Think about it. See, I know for me, there was one invitation that I can look back on that changed everything about who I am and where I am today. And so let me tell you a story of how it happened. Um, it was the summer going into my freshman year of high school. And uh, I was about to graduate middle school and I had this amazing friend group and I thought that my life was perfect. I, I was always having fun. In fact, this summer we got to meet together and we got to play games. I got a picture of this right here. We would spend every day together in the summer. I know, look how happy we look. You can zoom into my hair real quick um, because I know y'all really just wondering like what in the world? Y'all are judging me right now. You're either judging me or you're jealous. Like you're like, man, that's some, that's some good hair. Well, I need you to know it's that hair that made Leslie fall in love with me. So I appreciate it. Um, but the summer going into my freshman year of high school, I thought everything was perfect. I thought my life was great. I had friends and we were about to graduate from middle school and move off into this brand new, awesome high school that we had dreamed of being at together. We dreamed of roaming these halls and ruling that place and it was gonna be amazing. Until one day, my stepdad and my mom sat me and my brother and my sister down and said, we're moving to North Carolina. We were living in Ohio at the time, and so it was a pretty big move. We're moving to North Carolina, and all of a sudden, everything in me was just crushed. Crushed. If you've ever moved before, you can remember some of the emotions that you have in that moment where you're like, oh, all of my friends... I'm gonna have to leave my friends. I, I was, I've spent so many years in this like dumpy middle school that smells really bad and is full of asbestos and lead paint and is probably why I'm so weird today. And I spent all those years there and I was gonna go to this new high school that was just built for me and my friends and now I can't go there. Now I gotta leave all these friends that I have spent so many years riding bikes with and laughing with and playing games with and ding dong ditching people's houses with. Wait, what? And, and I got to leave all of those friends and my friends that I love and the place that I have found belonging. I got to leave it all. And now I find myself as a freshman in high school transplanted to a new place where it seems as though there's nowhere for me to belong. I tried playing basketball, but like I didn't like the coach and maybe it's because I wasn't that good, but I, I tried to find these different friend groups and I wanted to fit in with the cool surfer crowd, but I wasn't good at surfing yet. And so they just looked at me as some weirdo and, and I tried to go and befriend all of these different people. And I tried to find places to belong at the skate park and nobody seemed to want me. And all of a sudden, I, all that I had as a middle schooler going into high school was now crushed and I was searching, I was mad. 
If you've ever moved before, you've been mad too, I'm sure. I was mad at God. I was mad at my family. Why has this happened to me? And so I began to search in all the wrong places for something that could give me this purpose, this belonging, this joy that I somehow had lost. My life was changed forever until one invitation seemed to change everything. See, one day I was sitting at this new school that I found myself at that wasn't a new school. It was really just an old dumpy school. And this high school cafeteria where it was way too small for how many students were there, like we were crammed in there like a bunch of sardines. And I'm sitting at this little table with my knees about to touch my face and, and eating food that tastes like cardboard when all of the sudden this girl, Mary Evans, looked to me and she extended an invitation to a place called Detour. She said, Joe... I want to invite you to detour. And I didn't know what detour was. I thought it was a party. And I was like, you cute. There's a party happening. I'm trying to go. Sign me up. I accept your invitation. And that one invitation right there changed everything for me because it would turn out that it wasn't a party at somebody's house, that it was actually a youth group at a church. And the rest is history. Because I stepped into that church and for the first time, I found a place that I could belong. For the first time, I realized that this Jesus was really everything I had been searching for. It was the person of Jesus. And now I had a place that I could belong and experience the person of Jesus. And my life was changed forever. It was there at that church because of that invitation that I met my now wife, Leslie. It was there at that church where I would go on to fall in love with leading and serving in the church. It was there at that church that I would preach my first sermon, that I would step on the stage for the first time. It was there at that church that everything in my life would change because of that one invitation. And I'd imagine that there's many of you here in this room that your life has been changed in a similar way by one invitation. Did you know that Jesus was a master at inviting people? All the time, he was saying things like, come, come to me, all who are weary. Come and drink, come and eat, come and follow me. He was always inviting people. And there was great power in the invitations that Jesus had for people. And what's crazy about the invitations that Jesus gave is that then the people around him that chose to follow him would then give similar invitations. And we're going to look at a story today of how one invitation changed the lives of two men and that has been affecting our lives and the entire world ever since. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 1, John chapter 1, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the second half of the Bible, New Testament. Now John was written by the Apostle John not to be confused with John the Baptist, who we're just about to read about. And the story begins with looking at this man, John the Baptist, who uh, had just baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. John was a prophet sent from God to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Lord that would come to rescue the world. And so John, uh, in this preparing as he's a prophet, began to gather a group of men that would follow him and that were his disciples that learned from him, spent time with him, that he invested time and energy and his life into. And so he's standing with these two disciples of his and he's having a conversation and this is what happens John chapter 1 it says the next day after Jesus began his ministry was baptized John sorry sick John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said 
Behold the Lamb of God. Now there's an exclamation point, so I'm gonna get a little louder, as loud as I can get today. Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, because he was loud, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, what are you seeking? Now, there's something powerful with what John said to these two men. That word behold means look, see, look. That's him, the Lamb of God, the one, the promised one that I told you was coming, the one that all of you been, have been searching the scriptures for, the one that all of you have been waiting your entire lives for. Look, that's him. Go follow him. He invites them to go and to follow Jesus. Something powerful happens there as they begin to follow Jesus because Jesus in this moment turns to them and he asks them a question. He says, what are you seeking? He sees these two men walking behind him. What are you seeking? And I believe he's asking us and has been asking people ever since the same question, what are you seeking? Because I believe everybody is on this journey of seeking, of searching for something or someone. We all search. Ever since we're very little, we are on this journey of searching. My 14-month-old uh, uh, son He's always searching. If you got a little kid, you know what I'm talking about. Like he is constantly running and opening doors and drawers and getting into closets and pulling out shoes. He's looking under the couch. Yesterday, I just looked over and he's just under the couch, looking under there. They're searching, searching for something. He never stops searching. Why? Because I believe there's something hardwired deep within our souls that can't be, this longing that can't be quenched by toys or food or the things of this world. There's something within our souls that is longing for someone. And ultimately, that person, that thing that each and every one of us are looking for is Jesus. We're going to see in this story today that these men were searching, and ultimately what they were searching for was Jesus. Do you know that people are searching? They're searching. Think about this past weekend, Black Friday. Did any of y'all go Black Friday shopping? Okay, only a few of you raised your hand. How many of y'all got on your phone or your iPad or your computer and looked for some deals on Amazon or Target.com? Yeah. So many people went Black Friday shopping. You just didn't even realize it. You were just sitting on your couch by your fire, chilling instead of being trampled on. But people are searching. And think about this. Think about this. The advertisements that seem to draw us into this search, what are they doing? Advertisements, marketers, they know that people are searching. There's something that's discontent within our hearts that is longing for something. And so what do they do? They say, we know people are searching, so let us tell them what they're looking for. Here's what you're looking for, that new Alexa. Here's what you're looking for, that new Facebook portal. Here's what you're looking for, that new pair of vans. This is what you're looking for. That's what's going to appeal to this longing, this desire deep within your souls that's discontent, that's not okay with where you are, who you are, what you have, that you need something else. So you're searching, looking for someone, something, somewhere. See, advertisers, marketers know that. That's why Google's almost a, three, uh, almost a trillion dollar company with over five and a half billion searches a day. People are searching. Companies know it. Culture knows it. But what if we as the church started to realize that the people around us are searching? 
And they're searching for someone that can bring fulfillment to these longings, these desires that are deep within their souls. People are looking for more than just products. You know, people are looking for purpose. People are asking the question, why am I here? People are asking the question, what is my life even about? People are asking the question, what am I called to do? Where am I called to be? People are asking the questions of where can I find happiness? They're searching for happiness. Sometimes searching for happiness in people or relationships, through strangers, through addictions. People are searching for happiness. People are searching for joy. People are searching for significance. Wondering like, will my life even matter beyond the today, beyond the here and now? Will I leave a legacy? How will I impact people beyond just me? People are searching. People are searching for places to belong. They're searching for belonging. There's something wired deep within our souls that we crave belonging. Think about it. When you were going into middle school, you just wanted to fit in. You just wanted to belong. And somewhere along the line, we think that we just graduate from belonging. People don't need belonging anymore. And so as an adult, I don't need belonging. I'm just going to isolate myself. And people are okay if they're alone. What if we realize people never graduate from belonging, from this need to feel like they belong somewhere and with someone don't believe me? Think about rotary clubs. Guys, I don't even know what a rotary club is, but they exist. And that's how crazy this is because people just need belonging. They're looking for a place and a space to fit in with other people. What if we realized as the church that that's where people are at? And what if we realized that ultimately what they're searching for is Jesus. What if we realize that every single person is one invitation away from finding what they've always been searching for? What if we realize that? What if that was something that sparked this burden, this fire within our souls when we talk about the power of the invitation, that we realize that one invitation can change everything for one person? And we see here in this story that these two men, they were searching. But what were they searching for? Well, this is what happens. Jesus asked them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. This word rabbi, teacher, it also means my great one. Here in this moment, they proclaim you, Jesus you are who we've been searching for. You are who we've been studying the scriptures for, the texts for. You are the one that, that we ultimately have been searching for for so long. You, my great one, it's you. In this moment, as they encounter Jesus, they realize that he was ultimately everything that they had been searching for. He was the one. He was the person. They wanted to come and, and learn from Jesus, come and also be with Jesus. Because it's two-part. They said, we're looking for you, but we're also looking for a place to be with you. They said, where are you staying? They wanted to go and be where Jesus was. They said, we're looking for you. You're the person we're looking for, but we also need a place so that we can be with you. They weren't just asking Jesus for a sleepover. They knew that they, if they wanted to learn from Jesus and be like Jesus, they needed to go and be with him. The students of rabbis in that day, they would spend all every day with that person that they were following and studying and learning under. 
They knew that if they, if they found that Messiah that they'd be looking for, that they would want to be with him. And ultimately, they wanted to be with Jesus because they wanted to look more like Jesus. Because it's when we draw near to Jesus, when we come and we stay with Jesus, when we come to the place where Jesus is, it's when we begin to look more and more like him. They understood the power, the power of places, the importance of places. See, I think a lot of times when we talk about the church, State of the church today, we talk about Big C Church and churches, the people of God gathered for the purposes of God, and I believe that wholeheartedly, but I also believe that sometimes we devalue the importance and the power that the buildings, the places where people gather to hear about Jesus Sometimes we devalue these spaces because we just think, oh, it's just a building. It's just a, it's four walls. There's nothing holy about these walls. And, but, but what happens here is holy. What happens here is powerful, that it's in places like this that people come and find their purpose. It's in places like this that people come and find belonging and find joy and experience the person of Jesus. There is something so powerful about these places. Did you know that churches should be the most inviting, the most welcoming, the most creative, the most inspiring, the most incredibly designed buildings in the world. Why? Because these are places where people are coming to experience the person of Jesus. There's something powerful about spaces. There's something powerful about places like this. And we should have a heart for places like this where people get to come and find belonging. Think about this. When you were a child, you were always looking for places to fit in, places to belong. You were always looking for places to hang out with you and your friends. You would go to backyards. You would go to arcades or playgrounds. You would go to the soccer fields. You would go to coffee shops as you got a little older, restaurants, bars. You were going to different places. Why? So that you could be with the people that you wanted to be with. And it was at those places that your life was impacted and changed. Think about some of your favorite TV shows. How many of y'all like Friends? Y'all love the show Friends? Love it. Think about this. It was the people that made the show so special, but it was the places like Central Perk and Monica's apartment that made those people come alive. Think about other shows like Seinfeld. They had a diner. Cheers had a bar. New Girl, they had the loft. Places are important because it's at places where people begin to gather and it's at places like this that people can come and they can see that Jesus is all that they've been searching for. They're searching for places to belong and oh, they come into a place like this and now you can hear that Jesus is who you've been searching for and this is a place that you can find the belonging that your heart's been longing for and come alongside the people of God and experience what it looks like to build his kingdom here on earth. This is what he's called us to be, who he's called us to be as the church. People that are inviting people to come and be with him, come and find a place that they can belong come and experience that Jesus is ultimately all that they've been searching for and longing for. People need to belong. And sometimes people feel like because I don't look like them or think like them or dress like them or I'm not from the same places that I'm not going to fit in and, and maybe they're hesitant to come. But what if one invitation could change everything? 
Think about Mr. Rogers, the show Mr. Rogers. Remember, every episode starts with the donning of his sweater and the putting on of his sneakers. And then what does he do? He sits down in his living room and he invites people to come. And you and your imagination, it's like you're there with him in that moment. And he had a powerful message, but they wouldn't, people wouldn't have heard the message if it wasn't for first being invited into that space. The message was, no matter who you are, just come. Come and be here. I don't want you, care what you can and can't do. Just come and be here. The invitation is, let's come and build something together. Let's come and sing and play and dance. Let's have fun. Won't you be my neighbor? What a powerful invitation. And that's what we should look like, church. That we would be a part of recognizing that people are searching and that people are in need of Jesus and recognizing that this is the place that they can come and belong before they even believe, that they can come and find freedom, that they can come and find friendship, that they can come and find that Jesus is all that they've always been looking for here in a place like this. What if we recognize that Jesus was always inviting people to come and be on this journey where they see him and see that he's everything they need. He says these words, come and see. And so what happens is that Andrew, one of these disciples, and the apostle John begin to follow him, and they go and they spend time with him. And obviously something powerful happens in this moment that they have with Jesus and this time they have with Jesus because the next day they immediately go to tell other people about him. And they start with a man named Peter. We see here the story continues. It says, one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, like I just said, Simon Peter's brother. And Andrew first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, we found the Messiah, which means Christ, which with those words, he would have said, hey, remember everything that we've been looking for? Remember this person we've been waiting for, hoping for, dreaming for? This is him. We found him. And what does he do? He brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon, son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Notice what happens. Andrew is so changed by Jesus. He was so changed by this invitation Jesus gave him to come and see that he goes and he invites his brother and he goes and he brings his brother to Jesus. I love how it says he brought, he brought him to that place where Jesus was. And it was there that then Peter's life was changed forever. Peter in this moment is given identity and purpose and significance as well. Did you know Andrew knew that his brother Peter, Simon, was looking for all of those things too. He recognized his need. And in seeing his brother's need, he invited him to come and experience Jesus. Church, I believe that's what we need to do. We need to recognize that people need Jesus and we need to bring them to Jesus. And it's there where their lives will be changed forever. You know, Andrew, we don't know that much about. Andrew is, one of, Andrew is the first one that accepts Jesus' invitation. He's the first one that proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah. But there's really not that much more that we know about Andrew. In fact, in the Gospel of John, we see that Andrew only appears two other times. Two other times we see that Andrew is mentioned in the Gospel of John. But what's crazy is that each and every time that we see Andrew mentioned, his name mentioned in this gospel, he's inviting somebody to come and see Jesus. 
Guys, don't miss this. In John 6, 8, he invites a boy with some fish to come and see Jesus. And what happens is that fish is used to feed thousands of people. He invites, uh, in John 12, 20, he invites some Greeks who are searching to come and see Jesus. See, no sermons of Andrew were ever recorded. He wasn't this crazy, attractive man that we just like know all this information about because people were so drawn to him and he did these crazy, wild, ridiculous things and miracles and all of this. No, we don't read a lot of that. What we read about Andrew is that Andrew was an inviter. He was responsible for inviting people to come and see Jesus and don't miss this. Andrew invited Peter. Peter to come and see Jesus. And if you don't know much church history, Peter, like we saw in this story, Jesus would speak identity into him and he gives them the name Peter, which means rock. And then he says, upon this rock, upon your shoulders, I'm going to build my church. Peter is the one who day after Jesus ascends to be with the Father, Peter's the one that preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people begin to follow Jesus. Peter is the one that would go and perform miracles, walk up to people that are lame, and he'd say, stand up and walk. Peter is the one who would be responsible for building the church that we now know today. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for Peter. One invitation. It was Andrew inviting Peter that changed the entire history, the course of what was going to happen with the church, one invitation. What if we realized that the people around us could be one invitation from being the next Peter? What if you realized that that coworker that you sit next to could be one invitation away from being the next Billy Graham? What if you realized that that woman that you know is one invitation away from being the next Beth Moore? What if you realize just the power of one invitation? Think about the people that discovered uh, these amazing athletes like Shaq or Giannis Antetokounmpo, the man that first traveled to Greece to find this really tall Jack dude that is now the MVP of the NBA and no one can say his name. Think about the man that searched and discovered MJ or LeBron and the impact that they've had. Think about just the power that Andrew's one invitation had on Peter and how it's, it's affected billions of lives ever since. And can I say that I believe the church is short on some Andrews? That the church today, we're missing some Andrews. That there are people that have been given the ability to connect with others and given the personality and given the approachableness, I don't even know if that's a word, for people to accept invitations. Maybe you're here and each week you come and you just wonder, man, I don't know what my part is to play in this whole building the kingdom of God thing. 
I don't know, I don't have, the, I can't play the guitar like Patrick Casey, like come on, like I don't have the skills, the abilities, but you know what you can do, what each and every one of us can do is we can be like Andrew and we can invite people to a place where they can experience belonging and meet the person of Jesus that can change everything about them. Everything about their story, everything about their identity, everything about who they are and what they do and where they are going. Joey, last week talked about how you and I, we are the marketing department for God's plan to rescue the world. There's no plan B. There's no other option. He sent you and I as the church to be a part of inviting other people to come and see this Jesus that can change everything about their lives, that can change everything about them. And I believe that if we want to be people that look like Jesus, if we want to be people that do what Jesus has called us to do, we've got to learn to be okay with inviting, not just okay, we've got to learn to be passionate about inviting people to come and experience the person of Jesus at places like this. Think about the places that have changed your life. Think about the power of what has happened here in this room, maybe for you. I know my life has been completely, drastically, radically changed from being here at Stone Creek Church. Two and a half years ago, I never would have imagined where I am today and what Jesus has done in my life, in my marriage, what he's done in growing me as a man, as a leader. Something powerful has happened here in my life and I've seen God work in so many other lives as we saw just last week, seven students get baptized as you've seen so many of your friends and your neighbors and your family members here have their lives changed forever. What if we realized that people are searching? What if we realized and saw people and their need for Jesus? Do you see your coworkers need for Jesus? Do you see your neighbor and that they're going through that divorce and that their family and their household seems to be broken and they may be searching for somewhere that can bring them some sort of healing? some sort of hope for tomorrow? What if you invited them to a place like this where they can experience the hope of Jesus in a place that they can call home? What if you realized the people around you that are going through transition and that have maybe just moved and are at a new job or in a new area and people have just come to your neighborhood that are searching for a place to belong? And what if you were the person that God is waiting on to invite them to a place like this? Church, we've got to realize that people are searching and we've got to realize that they need Jesus. We've got to remember that every single person is one invitation away from their life being changed forever by him. See, when Jesus came to people and invited them to follow him, their lives were changed. I think a few weeks ago, as Stephen talked about the woman at the well, her life was changed forever. She was clearly searching. And then Jesus tells her in that moment in this conversation as he gets down on his knees and has a conversation with her in that moment, she realizes that he was everything that she was searching for over and over again. We see story after story that as people come to Jesus, their lives are changed forever. And so what if we realize that every person is one invitation away from experiencing the person of Jesus? Church, I believe that we're called, to, we're called to search for the searching. You and I, we are called to search for the searching. And I want us to be marked by that, a culture 
that says, I'm going after people that are lost. I'm going after people that are missing. I'm going after people that are looking for someone and somewhere that they can call home, somewhere that they can find belonging. Think about how your life has been changed by invitation. What if we reminded ourselves daily that there are people around us that need to experience the same thing? And so there's these cards in your seats. Every single one of you were given this card, and this is a practical tool that you have to invite somebody to come here. Notice it says, you belong here. You belong here because we believe that people belong here and that this is a place where they can come and experience Jesus. And so what if we began to extend these invitations daily that this was something that we always carried in our wallet and our pocket to where we're always inviting people to come here it's a tool for many of you there's an empty seat next to you what if you realized and made it your mission that next week you're going to invite the person that you know that is searching to come and find and experience the person of Jesus here and what if you made it your mission that that seat next to you isn't going to be empty next week Billy Graham Association issued this statistic that says that the average Christian is in a relationship with, friendship with at least seven unchurched people. At least seven unchurched people, which goes to show like we need to befriend more people that don't go to church. But the second part of that is that they said that 82% of those people in a national survey said that they would accept an invitation from a friend or a relative or somebody that they know to church. That if we would just invite people, 82% of them said they would come. And we have an invitation, inviting people to come and see. Jesus said, come and you will see. Come and you will see that I'm everything that you need. Come and you will see that I'm all that you've been looking for. Our invitation isn't to come and be here and be entertained. It's not an invitation to come and see Stephen Gibbs' biceps because I get that he's yoked. It's not an invitation to come and just observe. It's an invitation to come and have their lives changed forever by the person of Jesus. I want to close with this, Colossians 1.15. This is the Jesus that we talk about wanting people to see, that we talk about wanting people to experience. This is what it says. It says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Created by him and for him, there's your purpose. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's what binds everything together. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him reconciled to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the Jesus that we're inviting people to come and see. Let's be people that invite. Let's pray together. God, we're just so grateful. God, I'm so grateful that you love us. God, I'm so grateful that you call us yours. I'm so grateful that you've welcomed each of us into a place where we can belong with you, Jesus. And God, I pray that today we would be reminded of what you've done for us and that we'd have a greater burden for the people around us that are searching and that need to experience you, Jesus. 
I pray that you would do something in our hearts today where we can't keep what you've done for us and what you've done in us to ourselves, that we are a part of inviting people to come and experience you daily. And God, I believe that there may be some people in this room here and now that have never experienced you, Jesus, that have never come and seen you, Jesus, that you're everything that they've been looking for. And I believe that today you may be calling them to you to experience you and to be changed by you. And so if that's you, you're here today, as everyone's eyes are closed, I just wanna ask that maybe you just have this time with God, that you just pray for the first time and say yes to this Jesus that's inviting you to know him and to find your purpose, to find your significance, to find joy in him for the first time. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer and you can just pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. Jesus, I've been looking for you. And here in this moment, I'm giving you my heart. Jesus, I believe you died for me and I believe you rose so that I can have life in you. Jesus, I give you my heart. Forgive me of my sin and make me new. God's word says that if you pray a prayer like that, then immediately your life is changed forever, that Jesus comes to live in you. And I just wanna celebrate that. We wanna celebrate that today. And so as everyone's eyes are closed, I just wanna ask that if you would just let me know that you raised your hand, God sees you, God knows, would you just raise your hand? Raise your hand to acknowledge that you prayed that prayer today. If that was you, amen, amen. Raise your hand, amen. Jesus sees you, he knows you and he wants to make you new in this moment. God, we are so grateful for what you've done in this place today. And God, I ask that you would continue to change our hearts, make us look more like you, Jesus. Thank you for the hope that you bring in this place. And Jesus, we wanna celebrate that hope by worshiping you here and now. And everybody prayed in Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys stand as we worship Jesus together?